This is Grow With The Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers at Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of Franchise Friday. We made every mistake in the book so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. All right. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the right size for your business, as well as a bunch of the different sizes of businesses out there. Big brother, what kind of sizes do we, uh, of businesses do we have out there? Well, we have all different kinds of sizes. And as you know, in the gutter business, size matters. <laughs> Specifically in the trades, uh, what are the typical sizes we find most businesses? Well, it's usually uh, dominated by owner operators. Uh, basically, Kiyosaki would uh, put that person, and if we were to put it into a category of self-employed, um, they're, they're, uh, that's, I guess, the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. Full proprietorship is another way. What else? Um, one man, owner, operator, salesman, uh, installer, uh, office. They do everything. Mm-hmm. Person. And there are a few that we've seen that have like two trucks or multiple uh, vehicles uh, being part of a couple Facebook groups. There are a few others out there that have gotten past the one truck or two trucks into three or four, which is awesome. Um, so we haven't really seen in this particular industry in gutters. I know in plumbing, in uh, I mean, you've got the the T Webers out there. You've got some uh, serve pros. You have some scaled businesses in the trades, but really, it's not often. It, it's really, it's really not very prevalent at all in the gutter business, and the life of the owner. I mean, let's talk about what it's like at each stage. And for the one man owner operator, Ken, you were there for a few years. What was that like? Oh man. Well, looking back, while I was in it, I just thought it was normal. You know, this is what you do every day. And Mm -hmm. and even so, because I lived it when I was younger working for our dad um, and watching him and his general contracting business and how he did things. So when I was in that uh, mindset, you know, it was, you know, you're always, you're just always running, it seems, Mm. Um, running to answer phones, running to call people back, uh, doing estimates, doing installs for the most part in our business, most of the time is dedicated towards wearing the tool belt and getting those gutters hung and doing as much as you can. And then everything else kind of happens to fall in between that. Yeah. Whether it's uh, paperwork or fixing a truck that's broken down yourself, <laughs> you know, trying to just run a business, uh, you know, and, and wearing all these different uh, tool belts, if you will, or a lot of people say hats, um, and, and it all is, you know, leveraged on yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, when you're in it, it can be you know, days go fast, that's for sure. But for me, I I knew that there was something more. And that's why I made the plunge into stopping working for somebody who uh, was doing gutters and and opening up my own. And and in our business, and in the trades in particular, it's it's easy for somebody who has the skill of plumbing or gutters or roofing, siding, windows, whatever, to say, you know what, I'm going to go and do this on my own. Um, But the problem is, is that, 
a lot of us in the trades didn't go to school to business school and the yeah. business acumen is lacking. Uh, and, and you, you know, through trial and error, you figure things out as you go, but it can be very daunting. And, and what happens is, is, you know, life passes you by. And that's what I was noticing that if I continue and I play playing the tape forward, you know, from where I'm at at this point, doing all these things myself as a self-employed, self-employed sole proprietor, uh, as I played that ta- tape forward, it didn't, it didn't look appealing to me anymore. Yeah. So we're going to break it down. I mean, I like what you said about wearing all the tool belts or wearing all the hats. That's an expression that we use a lot. And I was actually thinking about that. Like, and if you could imagine, if you're listening to this, that like literally every part of your business, you're putting a physical hat on your head, you know, like a baseball cap, a top hat, what other kinds of hats there are, whatever. Um, but the owner hat, the installer hat, the salesperson hat. This is an official installer hat right here. The marketing hat, you know, uh, I like it. The marketing hat, the shopkeeper hat. Like before you know it, these hats, they, they really do mount up. And depending on the situation, you've got to put the right one on while pretty much never taking the other one off. The therapist hat. Anyone who's ever owned a business, you pretty oh. much need to be a therapist. And then even HR, hiring. Man, I'd be rich. Training. If I charge five cents for every therapy session I've done in tw- the last 21 years, I've been in business. That's <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, picture that. And the way we look at business is how do we not get rid of those hats? How do we take it off and put it on somebody that's more capable than us at that particular role? So we're going to, we're going to kind of go down that path a little bit later, but um, I love the question. Um, how do you know, it's time to scale. What are some of the indications that a business is ready to scale, whether you want to or not? Well, I think that comes to the business side of things and having the business acumen to be able to read data and uh, trends, and especially within your business. Uh, mm-hmm. For our business, uh, when gutters happen to people, you know, uh, and we talk about this a lot, uh, people just don't say, oh, let's let's remodel our gutters. No, they remodel their kitchens or they remodel their patio and pool area or, you know, that's something they plan for. They get excited about, they budget for it. They do all this research and stuff. But when a gutter goes wrong, it happens to people and they want to get it fixed right away. So mm-hmm. the tolerance level uh, in, in gutters or, or something like plumbing uh, or electrical is pretty low for people. You know, they, if something goes bad in certain or a roofing, uh, something goes bad. People want to get answers quick, especially today. Done. So people want a now response. And that's because everybody's been trained by these things right here to get a now response. So in gutters, we need to make sure that, you know, if we're getting out to a certain lead time, um, mm-hmm. you know, once you get out past two weeks in our business, uh, you start seeing people and opportunities drop off. And yeah. You know, that's when you have to make a decision. Uh, do I care <laughs> that I'm losing these opportunities? Well, some of the indicators, like, like what yeah. you just said, we hear people brag about their lead time. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm, I'm booked till September. I'm three, four, five months out. And, and what I see is, holy crap, the amount of opportunity that you're losing. So one of the indicators that you're ready for growth is, you know, when you can't, keep up when the demand is more than you can produce. 
Um, and you know, we've gotten really used to not wanting to be more than two weeks out. A lot of people can't sleep at night if they don't have a month's worth of work. They, they're relating two different things. So yeah, that's when it is. Um, and when you don't have time to do estimates, when you're sitting there and estimates become a nuisance, you know, you're, you're ready to grow. There are some indicators. You don't need to be able to read a PL or understand business, but when there's certain um, feelings or pushing, you know, it's like your business is pushing to grow. And we've talked about this many times and a lot of us hold it back and say, well, I'm just one person. I can only do so much, which is so true. Yeah. And that's because a lot of people are uncertain of the unknown. And then, you know, that uncertainty, you know, is really, really based in its roots and fear. Uh, and and, and how do we overcome that fear? How do we uh, overcome that uncertainty? Well, the, the better data that we have and the better that we are connected to data with our business, that's going to help us to be able to look for the indicators of when to grow and when not to grow. Some of the reasons to grow are like, you don't want all the burden as much as, you know, a lot of times we want to do something ourselves. It is a huge burden. And when you hire that person, you know, it releases some of that burden. So some of the reasons to grow is you just can't handle everything as much as you just want to go out and do gutters or plumbing or whatever you set out to do on your own, that burden becomes too much. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as I just want to go on vacation and not have my phone ring off the hook. I want to be able to unplug. Um, I, I want to build well, I, something bigger than me. We hear, we hear that a lot though. And even in our business that, you know, uh, people haven't been able to take the time off to do that. You know, I hear yeah. small business owners all the time saying, man, I, I need a vacation. I haven't been on vacation in like five years or 10 years. Yeah. Or I can't even take a day off. Sitting there thinking, man, they, they could, they, we, we, you know, people that we know uh, uh, have said that to us. So yeah. um, you can't help but feel for them because, you know, I, I know what it's like to be in that situation and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's stressful and, you feel like you're stuck and there's no way out. Yeah. So those are definitely some good reasons to grow. Um, And then a lot of people ask us like, what does it take? Like, you know, it's just me. I want to have something like you do someday, or I want to have two or three or four trucks. And like, you know, they'll kind of ask you sometimes sincerely and other times they have no intention of doing it. But like, what does it take to get to that second, third and fourth truck? Man, it's, it's, that's a hard question to answer because there's so many things that it takes to get there. Yeah. Um, the one I wrote down was like, not very nice. <laughs> you need some, <laughs> I won't even say it. It's a kid program, but you need gumption. Uh, you need, you need, you know, a little bit of just, let's do this. Like a little bit of uh, get over your fear. You're going to say it takes brass balls to. I was, to I was. I was, because that was the first thing that comes to mind. It really does. Like, you have to just get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and that's, that's all just part of uh, changing and adapting in business. And, and that's something that's super important to do. Um, because we live in a, a society where, you know, it's, it, it rewards growth. Uh, our government, our country, capitalism in general is set up to reward growth. Mm-hmm. And when you play by the rules of the system that's set in that, and then you create systems when you're in business that go uh, along with that system that's set up. Uh, 
And as you grow, you get rewarded for that growth. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, stimulating the economy, uh, uh, creating an economic impact within your territory that you're doing business in is important. And uh, it changes, it's, it, you know, it's, it's more than just business. It becomes about uh, investing, not just in yourself, but also investing in others. And, mm. you know, that's, that's a big part of it, but also a big part of what you're asked. Uh, the question you asked is, we have to have, um, you know, should I, a lot of people say, well, what should I do first? Should I uh, put this system in place over here first? Or should I just hire the talent and then put the systems in as, you know, I hire talent? Um, you know, and, you know, is it chicken before the egg or the egg before yeah. the chicken? You know, so there's a lot of things that, um, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounded by that too. Yeah. Uh, what are the things that I need to do first so that I can um, yeah. have success sooner than later? And that's great. I mean, I definitely want to, we should, we should talk about uh, what to do first and, and really at the foundation of it, what does it take to get to two, three, four, five, ten 10 trucks? It's desire and hunger. If you want it and you truly want it, you're going to figure it out just like we did. We had no coaching in the beginning. We had, you know, the guy that you learned from and everyone else in the area were owner operators. Like, um, that's it. There was nothing, there was no blueprint, but our desire was greater than our fear. And we, went and did it. And if that's who you are and what you got, you'll, you can do it. But yeah, you know, what do you need? Like yeah. some of the things that you actually need when we finally started to scale smart was a business plan. You know, there was recruiting methods, training methods, a good core team vision, but more importantly, sharing the vision. Um, that was some of the things that we had to start putting in place to start getting any kind of traction as we talked about in the last podcast. Yeah, there's a book out there that is, it's not very well known, uh, but it was probably one of the most pivotal books that I read. And it's, it's a really thin book. It's by Burke Hedges called The Parable of the Pipeline. Yes. And, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, you're wondering, hmm, I don't know about this or, or that, reading that book really helped me to really define what it is I wanted out of my business. And uh, he talks about, you know, these guys, I can't even remember their names, Paco um, uh, and Jorge or something, but they were, they, were, they were hired by their village to carry buckets of water from the lake that was down the road or down the hill. And they carried the buckets back and forth to fill up the cistern so that the villagers would have water. And one of the friends decided that one day he was going to start building a pipeline uh, from that water source to the village. And it took them years and years and years. And everybody would make fun of them and laugh at them. And it say, was after work. They carried buckets all day well, together. And then he built yeah. the pipeline after work. Yeah. And uh, it just, you know, and that was me. That was me. That's how I felt when I was, uh, when I was uh, working as an employee. Uh, and then, you know, it, it even when I was working as a self-employed person, you know, I, I was making money, but I wasn't enjoying time. I was still carrying even more buckets because now I was just one boss became many bosses. But, you know, I started building that pipeline. And really that pipeline starts with Ryan says, you have to have a hunger and a desire within yourself and making those internal investments within your personal development of yourself as a leader 
to be able to, uh, one, uh, gain the knowledge that you need to put those processes and systems into place. Mm -hmm. But then two, you need to develop your leadership ability too, so that people will want to follow you, you know, and, uh, you know, the only way that people are going to want to follow you is if that they, you have a believable vision uh, that includes them in it and that they can hit their goals uh, and what they want to do within their personal lives because of the vision that you're casting. So that's really uh, the beginning of it. And then what's cool about what franchising in this book and the reason why I chose this path is it, it really has to do with this book is that now that I know how to build the pipeline, even though it took me <laughs> like my whole career to figure this out and Ryan, uh, I can go and teach other people how to build a pipeline and not have to carry buckets. You know, I can say here, this is how you set up the pipeline. And instead of taking it, you know, over a decade, uh, I can teach you how to do it within the first six to 10 months and boom, you lo- you look like uh, a million dollar company right out the gate with all our processes and systems. So, you know, that book was super um, important and pivotal for us, uh, for, for my mindset to change and head in this direction. I agree. And a lot of people look at, and they start the business the same way they look at like, you know, whether it's like, think of like a celebrity or somebody who's like in like super, somebody who's in really good shape. And you look at that person and be like, oh, you know, must be nice being all fit and looking good and everything you try on. You know, and we're like, I'd like to look like that, or I wish I was. And then there's some people that say, I am going to be that person. But what most of us don't do when we think of business, we look at the final result. We look at people that may have made it to the other side and go, I want to own a business so I can have a yacht and, you know, go to the island every week. But they don't, they forget to look at the hard work it took to get there. The in-between is the hardest part. Getting in shape, the in-between is the hardest part getting to where you're a true business owner, the in-between is the hardest part. And I believe like what you said earlier, people are like, ah, I tried that. It's like, you know, over and over trying to get there. Yeah. And I I love looking at this one because everybody knows who he is. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. When you look at his older pictures, when he started in the WWF, I mean, he was scrawny, tall guy. He wasn't even that big. You know, and you look at him today and the transformation, it took him years of hard work and just grit and hunger and passion and desire to get mm-hmm. from where he was as a 20 something year old to being in his, I think he's in his late forties or maybe even 50 now. And the guy is a totally different, he looks totally different. Um, and, but that transformation didn't happen overnight. It took uh, hard work of investing in, in himself and anybody that has success is going to have that same trajectory. And there's a lot of people like, you know, so we're sitting here and uh, if anybody's listened to more than one episode, they, they know that we're all about growth, but not everybody is about that. And you got to know when growth is not right for you, right? Like, I mean, there's some people that it's just, maybe it's not the right fit. I mean, how, how would you know if it's not the right fit? Well, it's, it's something that the individual person has to answer for themselves. Mm. And that's why when I'm looking at people who come to us wanting to go into business, I always give them kind of a litmus test, you know, and one of those things is, 
you know, when you read a book like The Parable of the Pipeline, or you read a book like Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Cashflow Quadrant, and you read a book like The EMF, you know, does that excite you? You know, when you, that's your litmus test right there. Is, is it exciting to you to see, you know, and you start playing the tape forward of all the things that I've got to do? Does that fire you up to get to that next level? And then the other thing is, is that, you know, it can be very daunting if you have to do it all yourself. And that might not fire a lot of people up. Man, I have to figure all this stuff out and put together all these systems. And I have to do all this to get to that side of the quadrant of a business owner or investor. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The gap and the chasm is so deep. Uh, and the thinking that I'm going to have to do and the things that I'm going to have to change is just so much. Um, and that's what I love about franchising. <laughs> because yeah. franchising is perfect for the people that feel that way. Well, I think, you know, anybody who's listening to something like this, if you've made it this far, you've listened to a few episodes, you obviously want more for yourself. This is, you know, grow with the bros. If, if you're looking to grow, you're doing activities that would make growth possible. And, um, you know, what's, what's really cool where, where Ken and I are, um, we have a lot of people that reach out to us. They're looking for advice. I've even been asked to be people's mentor where they want me to mentor them. And what's so funny is these are business owners. And every time somebody asks me that I've learned to do this, this is what I do. I'm like, awesome. All I need you to do is write down, um, where you want your business to be one year from now. Think about your business today. Think about one year from now and write down what you would like it to look like at the end of one year. And as soon as you write that, email it over to me. We'll get together. I'll tell you, one person has only ever done it, and that was Bob Borden, you know, B&W Landscaping. And his business is going places. He's a guy that is always trying to grow and learn new ways and implement them. And that was awesome to see, you know, of all the people I've ever asked to do that. So, yeah, when is it not right for you? If you can't even do a little bit of homework to improve where you want your business to be. Everyone's looking for the silver bullet, the get rich quick, you know, um, but it really, it doesn't exist or at least somebody's not shared it with us. So if you want to own your own business, you know, there's things that need to be removed. I mean, it's like going to the doctor to get something. You got to get things removed. And one of the, the few ones that come to mind are fear. you like, you literally got to remove the fear um, and you should be fearful, but not to the point where you can't do anything. You have to not... Um, you know, you have to get rid of, you have to, you can't be a control freak. You have to be willing to give up some control and you have to be willing to get rid of any of your trust issues. You know, a lot of those three or four things I just named, that's enough for people to never go for it. And I'd rather have gone for it and failed than to be somebody who says, yeah, I always wanted to do that. I wish I did. If I could go back, there's only one thing. And it might not be business ownership. It might just be something you wanted to do, a chance you never took. A, you know, every time your buddy told you to invest in that stock and you just were too fearful to try. There's so many different things on different levels. But that, those fear, control, trust issues, those are like the number one things that keep us from doing anything worthwhile. Wayne Gretzky says you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So I got to Google when Wayne Gretzky and the rock, you said, I got to figure out who those people are. Yeah. So, you know, and that's what it was for me. It's like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if I have a roof over my head, food on the tail, I'm able to provide for my family and I can grow this thing. And I think a lot of people in business, they don't think past today. 
And yeah. that's dangerous. That's really what's dangerous. Yeah. You know, being employed, being self-employed, as long as you have a, you have a, a plan uh, that is, is, is going to be uh, the, the least amount of risk, you know, as an employee, I want to make sure that I have as many skills as possible and make myself totally indisposable Agreed. to that organization that I've plugged myself into. Because, uh, you know, when you do that as an employee, Dan, you pretty much have guaranteed yourself job security. And, uh, you know, as a self-employed person, I just want to have, I just got to know what my threshold is and that I don't go past it and that I don't go into a certain territory that's maybe outside or outside of my zone or the skills or the, the type of work that I do that I, I really stay, I have to be super disciplined and focused and making sure mm -hmm. that I'm charging the right price point because if I want to stay small and that's my mentality and that's my happy place, then I need to know that that is going to be good. Um, and if you're somebody that's growth minded or a little bit uncertain about growth, you know, play the tape forward. What does a succession strategy look like for you? Yeah. How marketable is my business going to be, you know, by the time I'm ready to retire? Or is this a business that really is feasible for me to be the guy for the next 30, 40 years of my life? You know, is yeah. that going to, is that going to be good? Um, what happens if something happens to me? What if I get COVID-19 and I, you know, who's going to be there to provide for my family? Uh, what does it look like at the end of my business? Do I want to sell it? Do I want to make some money on it? Uh, there's a lot of things that questions we have to ask ourselves uh, about the future. Ryan was talking about what does it look like, you know, not today, but a year from now. Yeah. Three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Uh, those are super important questions. And if you're not happy with the answers that you bring back to yourself in your head while you're having these talks to, with yourself, you know, then what solutions are out there that mm -hmm. can help me to make sure that I can have the things that I want? Yeah. Maybe it's time plus money. Maybe it's having more time to do the things I love. Maybe it's because at the end of my career, I want to have something that is worth something that I can sell to somebody who's an investor or a business owner uh, and have that nice little cash out plan uh, yeah. and boost towards retirement. So, you know, there's a lot of things to consider as we're going down the path of business. Okay. No, I agree. And I think a lot of people... Um, they get stuck with just dreaming a little bit too small. Um, and I think, you know, you have to determine what is the right size for your business. And I really believe we've come up with the perfect litmus test for this. But a lot of us just kind of um, think, you know what, if I, if I could just get one or two dependable people that can go out every day and do the work, that's it. That's all I want. And that's great. And that's the first step. But what we've determined is that the perfect size for your business is when you're at least one to two people removed from having to hop back in any major role. So for instance, in the beginning, if you're an owner operator, you know, you're no, you're no people removed from your current roles, but let's just say you do successfully get two people to go out every day on that truck or one person and they go and do the work, whether it's, I don't, whether you're a marketing company, whatever it is, if you get somebody to do the work, it's great. Now you might concentrate on sales, but if that person quits or moves on or doesn't work out, you're back in that role. So I feel like every time we think about our business, we have to think of, okay, what happens if one of those people go down 
am I back in that? So then eventually you have some depth there, but then you realize like what I realized looking back is we had depth in the field in the beginning, but we had no depth in sales. We were sales. And then eventually we had a great salesperson, but when they didn't work out, Ken was right back in sales. It was like, okay, we might need two. And then you start realizing like almost everything you're building. I I had the marketing hat for years and then we hired uh, a marketing person, but I was one person removed from that. So the perfect size for our business, I I don't know what it is. I'll let you know when we get there, but it's um, what I, what I do know is it's gotten easier the more hats we have taken off and given when I, when you gave away the, the installation hat and then the sales hat, and I took a few of those and then I gave them away, we were only better for it. Um, so I truly believe that the best size for your business is where you're at least two people removed from having to be back into a, a major serious role in your business. And it's not because you're sitting on a beach sipping margaritas. It's because you're strategizing. You're thinking of what technology can make this better. What benefits can I give my people that'll make them happier? What opportunity can I create that's bigger than what they started? How can I impact their vision? The only way you can do that in your business is by getting out and taking the tool belt off. Then you can truly build something um, remarkable. Yeah, and, and, and what you said about taking the tool belt off and taking that a little bit deeper, that mindset, is that when you have the tool belt on, especially in gutters, all I could think about was what was right in front of my face, securing that downspout, <laughs> making it straight, you know, making sure the gutters were pitched right, you know, dealing with the client, going over the job, you know, making sure that my, my guy that was working with me was doing a good job when he was on the other side of the house <laughs> and not screwing anything up, uh, keeping the truck clean, you know, filled with gas. You know, those are the things that are right in front of your face every day. And then the phone calls and the office stuff and all mm-hmm. that stuff, you know, that's what's right in front of your face. So, you know, some of the things that's, that determine whether the, your business is the right size uh, for you, uh, here's a couple questions that we listed off. Uh, what is capable the capacity within your industry? So what is it? What is the opportunity? What is the market opportunity within uh, the area that I'm working in? Uh, what type of team do I need to achieve those goals? And what does that look like? What does it look like into the in the field? What does it look like in sales? What does it look like uh, in the office part or the back office admin and, and front office? Uh, you know, what changes need to happen to our system to 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 foster larger scale growth also you know maybe there's problems with inefficiencies in the field and your materials are way out of whack for some reason um which there's a lot of reasons why that can happen uh, it could be because you're sending guys to the supplier all the time instead of having them deliver it to your sh- shop and i mean mm-hmm. you could literally pay somebody a salary to run your shop uh instead of having two guys sit <laughs> and we all know that when you send guys to a supplier, they're there for at least a good hour or better mm-hmm. uh, getting that. what they need. Uh, so you're paying for all these inefficiencies. So there's a lot of things that we could be working on uh, to foster a lot larger scale um, and to be more profitable. And, uh, you know, knowing those key performance indicators as well uh, also will help you to understand what is the right size uh, for your business as well. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned something earlier, Ken, about the, uh, what's the, what's first chicken or the egg. And I think, I think most people don't grow because, you know, I know, I know I can probably think of two or three people that they want They need an admin so bad, 
but they're working out of their house. So in their head, they're like, you know what? I can't, and I want to get this cleaned up. I need a better um, system for processing jobs. And they're thinking like, I got to get my business a little bit further before I hire when it's the complete opposite is, I mean, we literally, I remember having working out of your house and, and there wasn't a, actually we worked out of one of your barns and there, we had to go to the house to use the bathroom. And that was really weird for the person we hired that they're literally going into your house and like, hi, Jody. Hi, kids. I'm just going to, number one, I promise. Um, (laughs) But but people are so, they want to get it better before they hire. And that's why you hire people to fix the issues. You cannot, as an owner operator, have a perfect field and get your uh, finances and your books all clean. Hire that person to get them clean. Yeah, and that's what's super important in business. If you don't have, I mean, a back office admin that can run your QuickBooks and, you know, Excel spreadsheets and things and give you reports on, you know, the different um, indicators that you're looking at in your business, um, you'll yeah. never, you'll never, you're never going to have the time to do it. One of the best first hires you can ever get is a part-time um, admin bookkeeper. Um, I don't care what you pay them. You can pay them top dollar. Or, or, or lower, it's worth every single penny um, because if you're installing, you're able to produce more money than when you're sitting at the office doing you know, books. So definitely one of the best first hires. Um, you know, a lot of you guys and people listening to this and people we know, here's the, 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 the biggest hurdle is having tried and failed. And you know, you're, you've tried to grow. You've gone to that extra crew and it didn't work. Someone stole from you or they botched up a job so bad you ended up in court and you kind of just go, Foomp, I need to go do what I used to do. At least I did it right and I was making money. I'm not even going to go down that. That's, that's, a, that's a nightmare. But really, you're like the failing, like it, you got to look at something like, what am I missing? Maybe I didn't have the right people. Maybe the marketing was off. Maybe the pricing was off. Maybe the training is lacking. Well, the bottom line is, is that I've learned this early on, uh, and this is a leadership thing, is that no matter what happens in my business, I can't blame anybody else but myself. I am responsible. So everything's Ken's fault. You heard it. He started this. If I have have an employee that went out there and botched up a job or did something wrong, that's my fault. Because somewhere down the line, I didn't have a good enough training program or I didn't take time to invest, not just in myself, because that's where it starts, but then you have to have a program in place, a process, system of being able to invest in the people that you're hiring. You know, Mm -hmm. you just can't have people clock into work every day and then go out there and work and then go home every day. You have to have time for having communication and uh, training and holding people accountable. Uh, plus, also, you know, what is what are they working towards? You know, and each department should understand their own uh, data that they should be looking at to make sure that uh, their department is growing in a, in a in a way that is contributing to the overall growth and vision of the company. Uh, so that's that's super important too. Yeah. Um, so if growth isn't working, I would never say give up. There are certain people that I think should have given up a long time ago and went back to work for somebody because they're not doing anybody any good owning their own business. Some people are just not cut out for it and that's okay. Um, but really, if you've got the desire, you've got some of the things, like what do you do? 
like get a coach, get some mentors, read some books, listen to things like this or buy a franchise, you know, especially our franchise, you know, for three easy payments of what is it? No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, go and get knowledge from somebody who's done it before. It's such a fast track. I think if you're a parent, you know, and you see it from a mile away where your kids are going to go wrong and yet you're telling them, please don't make that choice. I've been down that path. Sometimes it's so painful to watch people go down the path because you know how it ends. Um, so you need somebody to help you fast track and get your vision. How, what's the fastest path to get what's in your brain to reality is help. Help. Yeah. And that's a, a big problem in our country. I think somehow in our culture, getting help is something that is just such a, I don't know, a taboo thing. Nobody likes to ask people for help anymore because mm. we're all in a position where we all feel for some reason that, okay, if I ask somebody for help, then I owe them something back. Mm. And that, that, that's not the case, um, you know, in, in every situation, um, especially when you have people that are good people. Uh, and we need, we need that. We need more good people helping good people. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems in our country. Why there's so many problems is that, you know, people are just not asking for help in all different types of situations, not just with business, but personal issues as well. And, you know, Mm. it's funny because with, with the business model that we've created, which I'm so proud of, uh, especially coming from a teaching background and going to college and going that whole path, that whole path, the home and career path that is shoved down our throats from the time we're in high school until we graduate. Um, there is other paths. Mike Rowe talks about it. Uh, if you know, if you haven't listened to Mike Rowe, listen to what Mike Rowe has to say about you know blue collar workers and you know a lot of these people that are in these type of positions and jobs and businesses uh, are very successful. And it's definitely a path that, um, you know, is, 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 you know, especially for what we've created here, you don't have to, you don't have to go spend, you know, money on a general education and spend a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars and then worry about getting a job at the end of that. Or, you know what, you need to get your master's degree before we can hire you now. So now you're going to school and work and it's crazy. And then at the end of that, you're not even guaranteed a job or, or whatever, you know, but from the time somebody says that they want to do something like this, I mean, for a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars is typically what the what a franchise costs uh, all in. I mean, and in, and once that launches that business, you're making money right out of the gate. You're making money. It's not you know, you know, if I'm going to make some money or if if I'm going to land that job. Uh, and not only that, you're partnering with people that have already you know gone the way. Yeah. And they're showing you the way. And that's what I love about that is that yeah. that fast tracks it. You know, you got to spend money to make money. We've all heard that saying. Mm -hmm. And why not spend it on something that is the most success rate when it comes to business? And it's in Entrepreneurial Magazine. They've done studies on it at Harvard. Franchising is absolutely worldwide, hands down, the most successful business strategy on the planet hands down. Yeah. Uh, and that's because it's shortcutting your road and pathway to success. Like you said earlier, it's shortcutting all the buckets. Like when you're figuring out yourself, that was me and you carrying buckets. That was you carrying buckets. And then eventually, and we built this pipeline on the side. The idea for franchising was in 2007. 
It took us till 2015 to have a franchise. That's a lot of pipeline building at night. That's a lot of just trying to get this thing to go um, and, and be there. And, and it's awesome. So kind of like what you just said, we're on the other side of that. And our franchise is helping others. I'm thinking about Luke. Uh, he, he, he's one year as a franchisee. He just purchased his third truck within one year of opening the doors. And this is a guy that had no experience in the gutter business. He actually worked for a lawn maintenance company. And, and he, is, he is three times the size of the average gutter company that's been doing it for 20 or 30 years. It's incredible that it's not just him. It's, it's Josh who just- awesome about uh, Luke, to add to it, Luke, Luke just bought his dream home. You know, him and his wife always wanted this house that was right across the street from where his father lived. And it came up for sale and the lady knew that they, that sh- that they loved her house. And they just purchased that house. And they would have never been able to achieve that dream or do it if it wasn't for taking a a step of faith and believing in uh, the system that you and I have created with all the great people that are part of our franchise or team, uh, which is an extension of their team. And, And that's the difference between when we started years ago on our own to when we first started in 2015 with Jimmy Olang and, uh, Ken senior, uh, you know, and they're having tremendous success as well, but we're even five, we're five years, almost six years down the road from that. And the people that we're launching now, our pipeline has only gotten better yeah, and they're, they're getting it even faster because yeah. now we have this collaboration of not just our franchise or team, but also all these other franchisees that have come into our brand and we're all yeah. collaborating together and benchmarking together and talking together and communicating together. And the synergy that's there is so incredible because it is just so encouraging to be able to pick up the phone, email, text, group chat, whatever, go to a conference together. All these tools and things are right at our fingertips and it's, we're not in business by ourselves. And that's what takes away the fear right there is knowing that there's a lot of other people that have your back if you need it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, let's just talk about Luke for a little bit. I mean, what's so crazy is that every part of it was scary for him. He was literally trusting us that these next steps were the right thing. It wasn't like everything, the stars didn't align. It wasn't the, the most, he didn't have the perfect sales people in the beginning. There were definitely trials that he went through, but he went through them so fast you know, when there was an issue, we were able to coach through and he was able to step through it and make it past there. You know, every part of it, if you were to talk to Luke, there was nothing necessarily easy about the last year. I don't want to paint a picture here and say, you know, buy a franchise, your life will be easy. It, no, you're going to work your freaking tail off. Luke has worked his tail off. He has sacrificed. But what's so cool and what I love about Luke in particular is even when things are scary, even buying that second truck and going, you know what? I'm hoping I'm going to have a lead for that. By the time the machine and the truck shows up, I need to have a lead ready. He did a lot in faith, but it was not just blind faith. There was a plan. There was indicators and we were able to help him through it. And holy cow, where he is a year from now, Josh just started a few weeks ago and he's already eyeing a second truck. He's in his fourth week in uh, hanging gutter, I believe. And he's looking for another truck for August. That's two trucks within a few months of opening when most 
owner operators and our business have never gotten past the one. Um, and we've all uh, heard about Nathan, you know, 12 years in his own gutter business uh, with only one truck and then, you know, teaming up with us. And he's already, I think, is, did he buy his fourth? I don't want to misquote. Yeah. He sent pictures of it the other day. It's okay. not yet, but he bought his fourth truck and he yeah. bought his fourth truck and he's got leads so many leads that it's unbelievable. He's trying to hire salespeople. He's trying to keep up with it because he would love to buy two, three more. He don't care. I, what I love about Nathan is he's an empire builder. He is like, let it, let's just do it. Nothing scares him. Uh, he plays this, this, this uh, game of business. Like we play Monopoly. Like, all right, you know what? I'll take Park Avenue. I'll put a house on there. And I love it. And that's why he's winning because he, he, he's not internalizing all these decisions as like, oh my gosh, I can't believe another truck. What if it doesn't go out? I don't even think those thoughts cross his mind. So, I mean, there's just, you know, I, I do want to pause a little bit there on his mindset, you know, um, getting into the business. Uh, Kara was on a couple weeks ago and he shared before but he looked at what he wanted to do and he's like 12 years in this. And I believe a back injury got him really spinning his wheels. He's like, holy cow, man, my back goes out. I don't work. Like, I mean, I've got this great business and, and he had a great gutter business. He made great money, you know, went out by himself, would bring his kids with him. Sometimes his wife would go like he really had a good lifestyle business going. Um, but he thought about scaling it. He's like, all right, you know what? Maybe I could franchise it because I believe his brother, brother-in-law, he talked somebody through opening their own business in another state. And he's like, huh, I could do this. That might be the ticket out. And then as he went down that path, he saw, look at all that hard work. Look at all those systems, all that branding, like the, the stuff that Ken and I kind of, you know, got in a little bit blind. He looked at that and then said, there's got to be a better way. And he just somehow somebody shared an article of you and I doing some interview and he, it, it was it. He's like, that's it. I need to team up with these guys. They already figured it out and I'm just going to, why reinvent the wheel? And that's what he did. It was awesome. Yeah. It's uh, you know, and that's, I, I love that he came to that realization to, to join our team because it's been awesome to have his knowledge and his, uh, leadership uh as as a part of the brand um and i i see that you know not just owning a territory but nathan is going to do a heck of a lot of things too on the franchise oh, side yeah. too as yeah. well which is cool too because when you have a vision of growth it just doesn't end up with you know just buying a territory or franchise a lot of these people start learning about franchising that own franchises or bought into a franchise and then start working and doing things for the franchise or company as they get older too. Maybe they sell their yep. business, start up a new, another territory. Maybe they do some operational things or coaching uh, mentoring staff or even the next CEO of the brothers that just do cutters. I mean, you know, that's, what's awesome about uh, opportunities that you're creating, um, you know, and, and, and growth creates opportunities. Mm -hmm. And if it's not working growth, you know, you really got to sit down and ask yourself some serious questions because Ryan and I were there back in 2010, man, we sat down and it was like January, February in the winter, the worst time, you know, for our season in the North because, uh, you know, snow shuts everything down. And, you know, that's, that's a time that Ryan and I would always not just sit around and twiddle our thumbs, uh, but we would, we would strategize for the following year. And, and it was like, you know, we weren't, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't, we weren't happy. We weren't getting uh, the results we wanted. 
And what was next? We asked that question. What's next? You know, what are we going to do? Why don't we, you know, do, do, do both of us go out on a truck, make a bunch of money, keep it small, take it all for the next five, six years, put a ton of money in the bank, done. And that's one way you can do it. But um, most people that I see do that have a hard, hard time being disciplined in that because life happens to us. And, you know, that money that we're trying to save for that rainy day or whatever, uh, it always ends up getting spent, <laughs> especially if you have kids. Um, you know, what type of help can I hire? Maybe hiring a coach. You know, all these things take money. You know, hiring a back office admin, hiring, you know, people to answer calls, hiring marketing, hiring all these things. You know, when you look at the cost that that costs to grow, uh, you're spending that money somewhere if you're growing. Yep. Why not spend it? And what I love about Nathan's mentality is like, man, I'm going to have to spend this money, not only spend it, but I'm going to have to spend a lot of it to figure out how to get the website just right, how to get that campaign just right, how to get this phone call scripting and uh, all these manuals and things that I would need to put into place. And just the, the amount of heavy lifting that you have to do to get to that point, if you've never done it before, it's, it's, it's astronomical. It's, 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 it's yeah. daunting. It's like, no way. I keep banging my head against this wall and I keep hitting this wall, you know, and sometimes what we do, and I even did it too, is that I would trick myself into saying, well, tomorrow will be a better day or next mm-hmm. week will be better. Um, but it seems like the same thing keeps rearing its ugly head over and over again, where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still having these problems. I'm still having these same you know, reach, reaching out to somebody that can help. If you're asking these questions of, you know, what's next? What can I do? What can I do differently? You know, feel free to reach out and give us a call. Explore franchising. It's great. a great business model. Awesome. So if I think back to kind of the, the brothers and how we started without getting into the details of our story, um, you know, Ken, you were owner operator, had a rotating bunch of helpers, pretty much no mainstay, um, you know, did, did, at what level were, was your business at that you actually put together that you needed to grow? Not just serve, you know, Ken's ideas and his, whatever his idea of a business was, but what, what was the turning point? Like, we need to grow. Well, I think it was back in the mid-2000s. Um, I started realizing that there's a lot more opportunity than just doing a couple houses here and there every day. And, and going out and doing that. I started realizing that, you know, you have developers, you have commercial, you have different size gutters. You, you know, as I started growing in the business, there, I started realizing that there's so much more opportunities that I could be getting involved in. You know, I started out with a five-inch gutter machine, and then I soon realized that there was a six-inch, <laughs> and that was back in the, you know, the, the early 2000s. Uh, you know, I started learning more about the industry itself and the opportunities. And, you know, you go to the supply house and you see all these trucks pulled up there, all these different companies and, or you pass them on the road to your job and you see them and you wave at each other or sometimes they don't. They wave with one (laughs) finger. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it it was interesting. I, I don't know about other markets back in that time period, but, um, everything was very secretive too in our industry where Still is. You know, it's crazy. It's like, come on. Uh, I mean, there's no secret here. Um, but the, 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 
I guess, I guess seeing the opportunity back in the mid two thousands of, you know, and, and we were going out there. I mean, we had a killer crew. I mean, and, and, and all these guys are with us today in the mid two thousands. Jimmy Olang was on my crew, Peter Wando, who owns uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Jimmy owns Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then Joe Bolang, who is the field supervisor of our corporate location still uh, in New York. And that was our crew, us four guys. And we would literally go out there to these developments and these McMansion houses. And we had some, uh, I'm a very organized person and very systematic in how we would approach these jobs. And we would smash out these McMansion Toll Brothers houses and we would do six, seven in a day. And we would get there. I mean, you could get there at six in the morning and work till it was dark. And those guys' work ethic was tremendous. Mm. Uh, and it's evident today because they all have successful, uh, you know, career or, or, or businesses. Um, so, you know, I, I saw that potential, but I also saw the other side of it. I saw that, you know, and, and soon enough, we saw that, you know, construction dried out. And I actually had to let Peter Rwando go, who I did not want to let go because mm-hmm. he was an awesome uh, installer and a great employee. And he forgave us. Um, yeah. Well, he came back on the team full circle. Um, but, you know, it's that's that's the risk right there. And that's what I recognized early on is that, you know, I lost somebody that I I couldn't afford to lose. And it was very painful uh, yep. to lose that person. And, yep. and that's because I wasn't prepared for what was going to happen and, and what was going to happen next. Yep. And uh, we, 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 we ended up shifting and, and, and ended up working ourselves out of that and, and getting back uh, to a focus on residential sales as a result of that. And that's a whole nother story. But the lesson I learned there was I either have to, Am I, am I going to, I either have to do this myself and I'll have a couple good guys and, and those guys are going to, people get, people just don't sit in in careers, uh, especially in the trades, you know, they're going to skip town for another dollar an hour. And if you don't create growth and opportunity for them, I was worried that I would lose Job next or Jimmy next, you know, who's going to be next that I'm going to lose and I've invested so much time into these guys and training them the skills of how to do the gutters. Mm. And I would have lost all of them. You know, that's why I think that to answer your question about when I started to think about growth was because I didn't want to lose. I wanted these people to be a part of my team. Mm. For the long haul. You know, not because uh, they were great workers, but because I really enjoyed working with them. And, uh, you know, and I wanted to see that happen more like it wasn't that these three guys were the only three great guys out there. I, I knew that there was probably other opportunity to have other great people on our staff today. And, and wouldn't, you know, I mean, look at all the great people we get to work with every day. Um, and I think that's when growth really started to be a focal point for me is back then. So it was kind of the opposite fear. It was the fear of just, you know, losing good people, not having enough opportunity for them to stay. So growing, and knowing that I need better systems for them, I need a little bit more opportunity to keep them from trying to find somewhere else where they can have more opportunity. 
Um, and this definitely laid the groundwork for franchising because I remember, um, you know, you were always systematized in the field and I was always kind of systematized on the other stuff. And what really made our business was thinking that someday this is going to be a franchise. This system that we're doing here, how do we write it down? How do we streamline it? How can I teach somebody else that? So, you know, there's a, there's a book out there called Built to Sell. And whether you're trying to sell your business or not, you build it like it's going to be sold. And I feel like we've built this as if somebody else was going to have to fo follow it someday. And that's how we were able to franchise it is having all that stuff. Um, you know, and now we get to be on the other side of it. And while other, you know, it's funny, like um, I've been working from home a lot lately and I really do think that most people think um, that I'm probably just sitting by the pool and, you know, taking advantage of this quarantine, but I, I've been working on the business so hard. I've been thinking about all these things. Ken and I have got these crazy plans and big, big moves that are, have national impacts that we're working on behind the scenes. The opportunity, I mean, just one of the things that we're doing is we're like, we have all these installation manuals and, and skills ladder manuals that are physical. All of that is being moved to an online learning portal where they guys can log in, that we can keep track of it, they can redo trainings if they need to. Like there's just this stuff that can't get done if you're in holding on a roll or having a hat. So Ken and I have been successfully taking off a lot of hats, but there's a bunch of new hats that we're wearing that it's getting to the point we're gonna need to hire somebody else for those. So, um, you know, to, to think of somebody as like being removed or passive income, um, Ken and I, I mean, it's all about, I feel like we're like pinky in the brain. What are we going to do today? Take over the world, you know, one gutter at a time. I mean, that's it. I mean, we literally are every day. How can we make this bigger and better? How can we create more opportunity for our people um, that, that work for us directly, for our franchisees, for their people? That's it. Um, that's all that's we're trying to do. That's, that's That investment right there is the, the, one of the qualities, I think, when you're looking at investing in something is uh, what is the vision of the founders? What is the vision of the company? Uh, and, you know, is it, a, is it a vision of growth and creating opportunity for others? Because, you know, even franchisees are hit a ceiling. And I've thought that through, and Ryan and I and our team have thought that through. You know, so when a franchisee hits a ceiling, what's next for them? You know, uh, and as as a brand continues to grow, obviously there's there's tons of opportunities where, uh, as we talked earlier, um, in the franchise or corporation uh, owning other territories, uh, certainly uh, being able to speak, uh, writing books, you know, all kinds of things that you can do because you're collaborating together with such great minds. That's the fun side of the business. That's why we worked so hard is we want to, and, and we're still in the same part. I really do feel like our business, the franchise, it's in its infancy. And we, you know, like anybody, you want to see what your kid's going to be when it grows up and you're going to do everything you can to make sure that they come out and become the best version of themselves. And that's what I feel like if you can get to the other side of your business, whatever it is, um, it is a race to replace. You want to replace yourself in your last role so that you can go and do something bigger. And even as an employee, it's the same goal. You want to race to replace. You know, you want the current role that you're in. How do you become the best at it? Then train someone else to do it so you can go take the next opportunity. Uh, and that's where it becomes fun. 
Um, so it, wh wherever you are in life, try to become overqualified for your current role. That's what it comes down to. Become so skilled and overqualified for your current role that there's no way wherever you are can contain you anymore and you've got to go and, and move to a bigger place where you can grow even more. Thanks for joining us and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.